very important, uh, not just in church, but in life. Um, if you watch Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, you know that singing is a big part of even those stories and those epic stories. But guess what? I did a, did a race yesterday with a couple people here, and guess who was singing while they were running? Were the Marines. So the toughest of the tough sing. Why? Well, it binds us together in voice, right? And it also tells us what we're doing. So when we're at church, we're singing about Jesus Christ, which is exactly what we're doing. So anyway, I just offer that for free. This morning, if you would, turn with me again to the book of Ruth. This small, four-chapter, short story in the Bible. It's one of the shorter stories and obviously one of the shorter books in the Bible. Uh, It is four chapters long. And yet it's a complete story as far as short stories go. It's not just a chick flick if you think that's what it is. It's more than that. It's a, it does have a love story in it. But it also has a guy that we're going to meet today in chapter 2. We've already covered the background and then chapter 1. And now we're moving to chapter 2. And we meet a, a fellow named Boaz. Which his name itself means strength or manliness. So I mean, again... Kind of the names here in Ruth are tipping you off to the fact of their character. And quite frankly, in the Old Testament, as well as the ancient Near East, names represent character. That's why when you read the Psalms, he says, the name of the Lord is to be praised, or, or, or how majestic is His name in all the earth. Not His works, but His reputation, His character in all of the earth. So, we meet a fellow today that is that puts the manliness in the Ruth story, okay? Uh, yes, there is a love story here, but this guy is an honorable man, a manly man. So, let's read here, beginning at the be- uh, verse 1 of chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, 
All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat uh, beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, uh, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi and Ruth, uh, her daughter-in-law, said to her, uh, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, uh, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your holy Word that we have read now. This is Your Word to us this morning. And Holy Spirit, may You be the applier of this Word to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, Ruth is a beautiful love story, a beautiful story of provision, of someone offering protection, It's a picture of the union of two individuals who one has had it really difficult, the other, we're not told, has had it difficult. He seems to be doing quite fine. He owns his own business. He is the boss. Um, And here, smash between Judges and Samuel is this little bitty book that offers hope in a very dark place in the Bible. As As you know, the context here of Ruth, it happens during the Judges period which is a very dark time in Israel. This is one of the darkest times in the history of Israel besides the actual exile itself. And here's Ruth, this little light that is shining in a very dark place. There's no miracles in the book. There's no word from God. There's no superhero kind of guys like Moses, Elijah, Elijah. These are ordinary people living in a very bad and ordinary time and yet do some very extraordinary things which is what we want to talk about today is God's providence as we're looking at 
this redeeming book, this book about redemption and how Ruth is redeemed, we want to look and see in chapter 2 what it shows to us is God's provision, God's providing, what we call God's providence. So let's just take it as it is. And by the way, if you're new today, I'm going to be short, which is unusual in my sermon. So if you come back, don't be surprised. If you're here for the first time, then there you go. She immediately, so to speak, gets off the bus and starts to work. Ruth does. She doesn't waste any time. Chapter 1 ends with, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. Well, as soon as they got into town, remember, she's a foreigner. She's not just generally accepted as an Israelite. Uh, Not only this, she is a woman who has been widowed and she has no sons. In the ancient world, that was a dangerous place and position to be in. This is why when Boaz first meets her, he says, whose is she? Because normally there is a male authority who gives you protection, whether it be your brothers, whether it be your sons, or whether it be your husband or your father. You're always under male supervision so that you don't slide into slavery, which was a real thing in this world, or into prostitution, which was a way to pay you know, your debts or to get out of the struggles that you were in. Ruth could have went into any of those things in Moab. Moab was not a good place. Remember, it, it, Mo, the Moabites were from an incestuous sexual relationship, Lot and his, his daughters. And so he, she could have stayed behind. She actually chose to worship Yahweh. She chose to join herself to the people of God in the world who were the Israelites. Remember, in the Old Testament... God provides a nation. In the New Testament, God provides one person. So when you connect yourself to that nation, that's salvation. When you connect yourself to that person, that is salvation. Here, she becomes a part of Israel. She says to Naomi, who now is calling herself Mara, which is bitter, which Naomi means pleasant. So she's gone from being pleasant to bitter, Why? Because she lost everything. That's why. That's what we talked about last time. In chapter 1, it's the emptying of a godly family. And now in chapter 2, they're scraping to get by. I mean, this thing of gleaning was kind of the, the welfare system of Israel, if you will. I mean, you still had to work for it, obviously. She has to go out, and after the guys are cutting, they normally grab, cut, and then they once they get such a big bushel, they tie it off. Well, whatever was left... You know, normally you'd say, hey, go pick up all that stuff that's left. No, 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 you don't pick it up. Not in Israel. That's for the poor. So if you're poor, you can come behind and you can gather up your own barley or whatever was being harvested. That was God's provision to the poor. So you still have to work. Uh, but she gets out off the bus, so to speak, and she immediately goes to work. She says, can I go to work? And I'm going to ask if I can do this. Because remember, she's an outsider. And again, that's a dangerous position for her to be in. Um, And so she goes to work, and this is really equivalent to going on the side of the road here in Madison and picking up cans and trying to cash that in for for some money. I mean, you're not making a lot of money off this. You're just scraping by. She's basically picking up cans on the side of the road. I mean, they're in a bad place, her and Naomi are. And, and, uh, And everything begins to change. This is where the story, you know, we've had a lot of bad stuff happen, just like any good story. You have a crash... Something goes wrong, and then stuff begins to be rebuilt. And God is rebuilding in chapter 2. And how He does that 
is by sending a person. I hope that you hear me say that more than once, uh, is that God always sends a person. He doesn't throw a book at us. He doesn't throw an instruction manual at us. He doesn't, he doesn't just send us an email or shoot us a text message. He always sends a person. And Boaz is that person. <laughs> now Boaz, on the other hand, is successful. He's a man that is known in his community as a man of character. You can see that he's a man of character by how he addresses uh, Ruth. He calls her daughter. He doesn't say, hey babe, how's it going? You know, what are you up to? Um, he's not just looking at the outside. He's actually heard her story. Do you, did you catch that? When he meets her, she says, why are you favoring me? Why did you even notice? Well, because I've heard of what you've done for Naomi. He calls her Naomi, even though she's still calling herself bitter. And he says, may the Lord bless you for all that you've done for your mother-in-law. She didn't have to do that. She could have stayed in her hometown. She chose to, remember, cleave to Naomi. This was her decision. And they go to a place where they're still poor, where they're still uh, being looked at and eyed, so to speak. You know, why did she bring it? What was she doing in town? It's one of these kind of things. You know, who is that person? Everybody's asking, who's the Moabitess? And apparently, Boaz is old, Ruth is young, Boaz is rich, at least wealthy, and she is not. So there's a great contrast between these two figures. He's in a position to help. She is not. She's in a position almost you know, uh, willing to work. Again, she, and what I like about, about her character here is you can see it coming out in chapter 2 because she's still not begging. You notice that? She's not on the side of the road shaking a, shaking a can. No, she, she's not even asking him for anything. She says, may I work in your field? That's all she's asking. She's actually gotten to work. Uh, which, again, ought to say something about the kind of character that is righteous, is one that works. She could have sat around and complained about her situation. I mean, of all people, she just lost her husband, just lost her sister because her sister stayed behind, just in law, and also now she's in a foreign land, picking up cans on the side of the road, just got off the bus. She could have said, man, this is just a disaster. This, this Yahweh God of... It, I mean, well, what kind of God is He? She could have been sitting on the couch and they could have been just complaining. And, and I, Have you ever been in those discussions? You ever met those kind of people? All they ever have is the negative to focus on. They're just sitting... You're thinking, just get to work and do something! That's what happens here. She's, get, she's gotten to work. She says, I'm going to go out. And she gets Naomi's permission. She gets the field owner's permission. And then all of a sudden, the Scripture does something very unique here. This is really the only place that I know of in all of Scripture where it does this. And it says, look at verse 3. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she just so happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Or as another translation says, and she just uh, it says, as luck would have it, she happened upon this field. Luck. Happen. Chance. 
Is this karma? Oh, you know, is this, is this, is this some other religion that we're talking? No, 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 no. No, there's something really neat going on here. Tolkien actually does the same thing in his book, Lord of the Rings. I know some of you sigh every time I say that, but if you read the book, you won't sigh anymore. Get to work. <laughs> Tolkien will say several times, he, in, in even responding to why he wrote the book, he says it's a very Catholic book. You read through there and you say, well, Jesus isn't here. The sacrifice isn't. Right, because the time frame that He's trying to introduce you to is a time before God's name was known. You ever think about that? During the flood, did people know who God was? No. No. No, they didn't. That's why they were evil continually. And so, Tolkien's context for Lord of the Rings is actually before the flood. A time that's very different than our time. No one knows Yahweh. No one knows Jesus. No one knows the Lord our God. He hasn't revealed Himself to Abraham or to Moses at Mount Sinai. You realize, right, that we can't know about God unless He reveals Himself to us. I can't go out there and look at a tree and say, oh, I know who Jesus is. That's cool. No, 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 no. If He doesn't speak, we never know. Just like if I meet you... If you don't speak, I'll never know you. I can't just look at you and know you. No, you have to use words. God has graciously given us His Word and given us His Word with a capital W, who is Jesus Christ. He sends a person. Here... This is providence. This is God's hidden hand at work. She just so happened. And if you've ever read Lord of the Rings again, you know how Tolkien does this. He'll say, it just so happened that the ring fell to the right person. And even Gandalf mentions this to Frodo because he's worried. He's like, I don't understand how this thing came to me. And so he says, look, don't worry about how. You've been chosen. And Gandalf actually points to an unseen providential hand at work in the events that are going on in Middle Earth. What the Bible's doing here in Ruth is doing the exact same thing. It's not believing in luck. She didn't just get lucky. No, the point with the author here is he's he's using a literary device to drive home the point that you don't even have to have big miracles, big fireworks for God to be at work. No, He's at work in the little things in life. In the hidden things in life. He's not all about trying to prove Himself to everybody. God doesn't have to prove Himself to anybody. Oftentimes, His hand is at work in a very hidden way. Now, have you ever given someone a blessing blessing in a hidden way? You actually get more of a blessing, right? I mean, I can tell you, hey, I, I did this for someone. You're like, oh, oh, okay, cool, good job. You want a cookie? <laughs> but if I work behind the scenes and not get the glory, isn't there a special blessing there? Isn't that what the Bible talks about? Let your giving be such that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is giving? Yeah, yeah. A blessing behind the scenes. You're stepping out of the picture and you're still working. We do this in our children's life, don't we? 
There are many things that we do for them that they will never understand or comprehend. Many sacrifices that are made that we're not asking for glory. Jessica and I, we're not wanting you to applaud us. We're doing it because we love those four little boys. I don't care who sees me doing it. (laughs) One thing I do that I love that is special is I go up every single night before I go to bed and I pray for them. It doesn't matter who I tell that to or who applauds me. I'm going to do that because I care about my four sons. God has given me those little boys. And it's my duty. It's at, the end of t- at the end of time, you're not going to be standing before God and Him saying, what did you do to Jackson, Baylor, Bo, and Ty? How did you live before them? No, that's going to be me standing there. You see, we too work behind the scenes. And it just so happened that God directed her path into the path of Boaz. This man of honor. This manly man, literally his name. Man of strength. Did you notice that it repeated itself? He's from the clan of Elimelech, which is my God is king. Remember that was his name? So he's a manly man from the clan of my God is king. And he begins to offer her provision, protection, and plenty. Didn't he? He says, hey, you stick in my field. Don't go anywhere else. You might be assaulted. Again, I told you, a a, a lady by herself without any kind of male protection could easily be snatched up into slavery for the rest of her life. Typically, prostitutional slavery, especially if you were young like she was. He says, no, no, you stay here. He even instructs his young men. He says, look, reapers, guys, his employees. He says, look, leave a little extra for her and actually bundle it up for her. Just drop it. (laughs) He's a real gentleman. That's what this guy is. He's a gentleman. Anybody can be a taker. Anyone can be bad. It's the craziest thing in the world. But in junior high and in high school, it's cool to be bad. And I got to thinking, it hit me in my adult life two weeks ago. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It hit me, you know, being bad is easy. Anybody can be bad. Anybody can be unfaithful in their relationships. Anybody can skip around taking things from people whether it be sexually or financially or using people. Anybody can do that. It doesn't take rocket science. No. It's tough to be good. When you meet a good man, a good woman, it strikes us, doesn't it? Something in us is like a chord. We say, wow. Man, it makes us a better person, doesn't it? Boaz is one of these kind of guys. He calls her daughter. He's not trying to get something from her. He's really offering her provision, food. And then he offers her protection from the guys, right? I told them not to mess with you. So anybody mess with you? You know, he says, I'm going to go Old Testament on them, right? I got a big field. I own a lot. 
I want a lot of land that's rural, and I'm going to go Old Testament on you. We call it going postal today, but... Boaz says, look, no one's going to mess with you. You stick with my field. Then he offers her plenty, doesn't he? He said, look, drink from my cup. Now, see, she was eating with the reapers, but you notice the text how it says, he passed her the roasted grain. So he wasn't eating with them, but he comes over and hands her something. Again, this guy is, this is the way to do it. If you're, if you're, if you're single, this is the way to do it. You can be taking notes on Boaz. He's got it right. Also, she says to him, look, she says, you have comforted me and spoken kindly to me. To be a macho guy means you use kind words. Isn't that interesting? I mean, isn't God the most macho of all? And He speaks kind words to us, doesn't He? He absolutely does. That's what it means to be meek. Remember the meek will inherit the earth, you know? This is what it means to be meek. You're very powerful and yet you restrain that power. That's what Boaz is doing. He could have overpowered her. He could have tried to manipulate her or use her for his own meek. No. This is grace. This is grace. (laughs) She just so happened to be in his field. Just like one night, I just so happened to be in Decatur, Alabama when I was a senior in college and I met a senior in high school named Jessica. It just so happened that we both were there that night, which was unusual, because I was already in college and yet I was going to a youth service because we had a new youth pastor at the church. I wanted to see how he preached. Then I too, like Boaz, say, hey, who is that? And now, after ten years of knowing each other, nine years of marriage, uh, it just so happens that that was the right thing. It was God's will. It was God's provision for me and for Jessica to meet. And so you have this meeting of Ruth who is poor, Ruth who is vulnerable, Boaz who is wealthy and stable, a man of character, she a lady of character, and they meet in the middle. Down that old country line, right? Gain a lot of ground. It's an old song. So what are we saying this morning? We're saying that God is at work in your life. In hidden ways. Not in firework kind of ways. Not in big miracles. No, no, no. He's at work in the little things. And in your life, you'll find that when you look back, someone's been directing your paths. Someone else is writing this story that is called your life. And you can look back and be filled with thankfulness to this author. He is, after all, the author and the finisher of our faith. He knows the end. We're kind of like the kids in the back seat. We don't exactly, you know, sometimes I'll say, Who all wants to go with daddy? Boom, all the hands are raised, right? I get three hands because Ty, he doesn't know what I'm saying yet. They don't know where I'm going, but they trust me. They know that dad has fun, right? At least that's what I claim. And so we go on a road trip and and Daddy, where are we going? Nope, not going to tell you. Daddy, please tell us where we're going. 
I bet we're going to the game store to look at game, video games. I bet we're going to... You know, they're, they're trying to guess. There's excitement. Where's that in your life? You're on a journey. We're, we're in the backseat. We're the kids. Don't be the complainer. When are we going to get there? I don't like this. i got to go to the bathroom. i got to do this. i got to... Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. That's not what Ruth was doing. That's not what Boaz was doing. No. Enjoy the journey. God is our King. God is our Father. Don't you trust Him? Absolutely. He's trustworthy. He's the gentleman of all gentlemen. And we are Ruth. We're the ones who are vulnerable. We're the ones who are poor in spirit. We're the ones who need His provision. We're the ones who need His protection. And He comes to the field of earth that He owns, who is Jesus Christ, and He offers it to us. And He offers it to us in this meal. Just as Boaz passes the bread and passes the wine, so too this morning we will share in the meal that Jesus, our Boaz, has provided for us. Do you believe in His providence? That He is at work in your life in many ways that we will never understand, so don't even try? Do you believe that? Is that okay with you? That everything in life is not going to be pre-planned? That we're on a road trip that He's in control of? Do you need God's protection this morning? Do you know this Savior? If you don't, you can. That's the good news this morning. He is at work. He is here. We, like Ruth, must bow down and cry out, my Lord and my God, why have you found favor in me? Amen.